here on this episode, we've got Hacksaw Jim Duggan. So let's get to it. Ding, ding, ding. Okay, guys, uh, this is a special treat this week. If you have been a loyal listener of Primetime uh, over all these episodes, you know that the man that helped launch this podcast is one of the most popular superstars ever in the WWE. Welcome back, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Jim, great to hear from you again. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be back. And, of course, you know the first thing I got to do, brother, is get the old home and get things rolling. You know, I tell you, nothing like starting off the day with a good hoe. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you always say, just, just got to be careful holding there in New Orleans. I'll tell you, brother. <laughs> yeah. And we just uh, both of us just got back from uh, a tremendous week, really. Uh, and I, I want to say, because you, you, you started out, uh, like you said, with a good hoe. Um, we were at WrestleCon, both of us, and I was uh, a couple of rows over. And it was really uh, awesome because I don't know how how, how far apart the hoes were, but it, it was a big, gigantic ballroom, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh you mean weird, at WrestleCon? I thought you were talking about New Orleans in general. <laughs> you know, I guess I should have. That's thick, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, I should have clarified that right away, shouldn't I? Uh, but yeah, we were both at WrestleCon, and uh, Hacksaw was in one over the corners uh, that they had there, and you know, people just constant. And every I don't know ten minutes or so, you'd hear "ho," <laughs> and. I don't know. I, I said I don't know if everybody gets one. How what what would prompt a hoe when you're when you're over there and you got a bunch of people signing? You know that that's true, Sean. Because everybody goes, "Hacksaw, come on, give me a hoe. Come on, give me a hoe." Everybody comes up, say, "Yeah, let's see, let's hoe together." I'm like, you know, I'm hoed out, brother. Yeah, you got only space. Got, I only got so many hoes left in me at this stage <laughs> of the game. You know, you got to pace yourself. Uh, but you know, usually if we get a group of young guys and girls and fans, all everybody together, even young uh, older guys, everybody, you know, oh. Because that's I always bust uh, Flair's chops, you know. I'm like, woo, woo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Trunks too tight or what? Woo. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like a hoe. <laughs> yeah, the, the hoe is much more distinct. And and, uh, and, and that, I'll tell you, you were easy to find. And that was a very big room. So Yeah, uh, well, you know, what a great uh, marketing tool also. I mean, you know, it sounds like a library in there. And all of a sudden, a big hoe. And, yeah. and, of course, my my group, I, I have fun with the, 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 the folks. You know, we all come in, we joke and laugh and tell them stories. I mean, and that's why I was, we like uh, WrestleCon, you know, fan access, which is great because you get to see all the current young guys, but it's very quick. They move you through like, you know, autograph, thank you, autograph, thank you, autograph. Yeah. WrestleCon, you get to visit with the guys, talk to them. So, you know, it's a trade-off. You know, you can see the current guys for a split second or you can you know, visit with the, the up and coming guys and, and the uh, classic guys might be a nice way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and that's true. And, and, and there was, I think just at WrestleCon folks, there was uh, 200 superstars and uh, I guess they said Friday was really crazy. I didn't get over there until Saturday. I was over at uh, uh, Jim Ross's live event on Friday, but they said Friday was just a tremendous a crowd there. Yeah, Friday was wild. Yeah, Surprisingly, yeah. everybody was assuming Saturday would be the day. Right. But Friday, they the folks were really jammed in there. And amazing how many people from overseas. I mean, Australia, Europe, New Zealand, Japan. I mean, Canada, obviously, uh, all through South America. 
unbelievable the appeal of wrestling around the world. Of course, WrestleMania, what is it? I mean, just it's like the Super Bowl coming to a city. I mean, you see all the streetlights have the, the WrestleMania signs hanging off them. It's just the whole atmosphere. You you go around, you see Macho Man impersonators and Hogan impersonators walking around the street like it's every day. It's, a, it's an exciting time to be down there. And of course, this was my first time uh, not being at WrestleMania with the WWE in, in 10 years. So, and I can yeah. understand them kind of shuffling up the, uh, the hall of fame guys and bringing some of the younger guys and stuff like that. So it was uh, still nice just to kind of be there and piggyback off WrestleMania and do WrestleCon and uh, actually Nobsy and Sags and I, we did a, uh, an appearance at spirits on Bourbon street one night. So it turned out to be quite a weekend. That's for sure. Spirits was that uh, you know a, a church group there? Is that uh, what it was? Yes, uh, choir. The yeah, the, it was a choir. <laughs> and man, were we singing, brother? No, what, what kind of event was that? Because I want to get back to WrestleCon, but I just anytime you're hanging with the Nasty Boys, you know it's going to be an interesting oh, night. I, it was fun, and you know, and Chavo Guerrero stopped in, Lisa Marie. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of the younger wrestlers were going by and we were having so much fun. They were coming in and that's the place they have the chair where a, a girl with extremely large breasts puts you in this a barber chair and she spins you around and spins you around and she rubs her boobs in your face and spin, and then she slaps you and pours liquor down your mouth, spins you around, does it again and again, like three times. Well, <laughs> Spinning this guy around and rubbing her boobs, goes to slap him, knob steps in, Boom, he slaps the guy. <laughs> the guy's got his eyes closed. He doesn't know who the hell's <laughs> He's like, man, that girl's got a punch. <laughs> oh, man. Stop slapping him. I mean, not that hard. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the place popped. It was funny as could be. I mean, the whole place was having fun. We had everybody in the place going, oh, in USA. And, of course, a lot of folks had to, were a little inebriated. Uh, you know, myself, I actually haven't had a, a, a drink since uh, Roddy went down. Uh uh, to the guy with that's a whole nother story but uh i was having fun uh, it was different being at that stage watching the other guys party and having fun well and you don't need uh, alcohol for you to have a good time hack so it just it just travels oh, with I, you wherever you're going uh but it, it, i tell you my my wife came with me um my yeah, daughter came Deborah, from kansas yeah. city uh, Celia, my oldest daughter, Becca was just at college, but we, you know, went to Cafe du Monde and had a beignet and went down uh, to Jackson Square. And, you know, I put a pair of glasses on and my hat, hair up under my hat and go right out there and, and just enjoy myself. And uh, it was great being back in Louisiana. Of course, I lived down there. It was lovely, Anna, for us. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine hanging with the Nasty Boys, and I went over and uh, and spent some time with them there. But uh, you know, I, I'm sure they've mellowed a little. But uh, it, it's still, <laughs> whatever they go out, it it's still a party. Yeah, I tell you, they they're fun guys. Some guys, everybody has a limit. You know, yeah. I got like a three day limit of the Nasty. <laughs> boss man had big boss man had like a three second limit. Yeah, that's see the nasties he'd leave you know hogan had like a three-month limit everybody's got a limited nasty yeah. but uh yeah, they were fun in, on bourbon street they're entertaining people because they're equal opportunity abusers you know some yeah. people are bullies knobs and sags they pick on the youngest newest guy in the company and then they go mess with hogan and flair you know yeah. they mess with everybody wasn't bourbon street insane it was it reminded me of mardi gras it was that 
crazy. I don't know how much you walked around down there, but man. It was, it was uh, when we were in Bourbon, we were doing the hacksaw thing. So we had the place hoeing and security, the uh, uh, New Orleans police, who I love, man. I've done a lot with them over the years, you know, finally got a hacksaw and uh, moved us on and got us out of there. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's just, just that whole atmosphere of WrestleMania. I mean, it's exciting. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, just the, the electricity in the air. And of course, you know, it rained uh, that night, so that kind yeah. of put a damper stuff on Bourbon Street, but uh, I tell you, uh, and I think it was uh, uh, Saturday night, we had a great time. Now, uh, were you, did you do your, uh, your stand-up? Because you did have a performance, or was that the one adjusted spirits being there as, uh, as an appearance? No, no, yeah, the uh, stand-up deal kind of fell through. We had one uh, in uh, 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 Shell Slidell, and that fell through, so... uh, but uh, we did the sta- uh, the, uh, the appearance for the Nasties. But I got a next week coming up, of course, is a, a whole uh, run of uh, Canada stand-up shows. But uh, we'll talk about that after uh, WrestleCon. Yeah. Now, and uh, and getting back to that too, with WrestleCon, like I mentioned, there was uh, 200 superstars uh, or wrestlers, you know, that, uh, people that have had an impact in the world of professional wrestling. There was everybody there. You know, Bret Hart was there and uh, Sean Michaels was there at some point. And, uh, like I said, at your table, I, every time I went by that, I kept wanting to go by and say hi to Jim. And then I would go over there and I'm like, Oh, okay. Now there's 10 people deeper. Okay. I'll come back a little bit later. Cause he's really busy. I come back. Okay. Five, five people deep. I'm like, eh, I'll wait till there's gotta be a break at some point. So, I mean, finally I just kind of went to the side of the table. I'm kind of like, Hi, Jim. <laughs> yeah, it, it and, was nice but, to you meet your son too, Sean. Uh, I'm glad you came up to settle. That's for sure. Yeah, and and uh, like I said, you, the people just uh, you know, it, it was kind of surprising because a lot of these kids, a lot of these Thanks. people are kids, you know, right? Yeah. And the, and it's kind of is I that think, a shot, Booney? <laughs> well, they were I'm the same. My table was so. blind. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't it surprise you that you you know I'm kind of doing the math here, and some of these kids, you know, they're. I think at 18, 19 years old. And so I asked a few of them, I said, well, you know, you were, you couldn't have possibly been watching then. And I said, no, no, my dad had, you know, all the Coliseum home videos. And now I'm watching the network and I'm watching all the old stuff and it's great. I love it. You know, and there was a lot of young people there that want to meet these superstars from yesterday. It was, it was just awesome. Well, that was, as we talked many times that, the F days, the WWF, that was the golden age. And people watch that on a network or like you said, the old Coliseum videos. And, you know, you still name 20 guys without thinking about them. And of course there was a bunch there at WrestleCon. And yeah, it was like, it was like old home week for us. I got to see Bill Watts, of course, the uh, owner and mastermind behind mid South, uh, Gene Okerlund, my, my buddy from legend house was sitting across from me, a one man gang. And like I said, Brett, uh, the tugboat, uh, yep. just you know, the Ricky and Robert. I mean, just everybody you can think of. And of course, uh, Jake was there and, and I'm sure, you know, that was a whole nother deal that went down with, uh, with Jake. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of bizarre. Did you get any more details on it? Folks, we should uh, fill you in a little bit, I guess, since we're going to go there. Um, you know, Harry Smith, who's been a guest on the, on the podcast, he's Davy boy Smith's son. He, uh, goes in the ring as, uh, Davy boy Smith jr. And, uh, from what I understand, there's some heat between, uh, him and, and Jake, uh, Harry believes, or, or, or I guess that Jake made some disparaging comments regarding his family and his father, 
And what, regardless of what that may what may exist there, uh, I don't know if that was exactly the place to try and discuss it. Uh, but what did you hear about what happened? Well, you know, I guess there there is background, and like I said, it's all sour. I wasn't actually a witness there, and of course, I'm a little prejudiced because Jake's a friend of mine. Right. But uh, obviously, uh, Jake blasted uh, Davy Boy. You know, like all of us, have some blasting coming their way. That's that's why I don't throw no stones. There'd be a lot coming back my way, brother. Throw bricks at you. Yeah. Oh, is that a shot? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you're up about three points on me, Mooney. That's all right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I guess, you know, and the deal is that uh, obviously, you know, Davey Boy's passed years ago and, you know, everybody's trying to consider him for the WWE Hall of Fame. And, you know, yeah. Jake blasted him, I guess, pretty good. I, I don't know exactly what he but said. That was recent but, you know, that he did this? I, I don't know. I don't know the history. I, okay. you know, I, I just, that's why I. I keep out of all that uh, gossip stuff, you know, yeah. here in Lugov, not much happening here. You know, I'm way outside the loop. Yeah. But anyway, so this, this, the story I heard, now this is secondhand, is because uh, I was sitting there at my office and, and uh, Cody, Jake's daughter, is screaming. All of a sudden, I hear a woman screaming. I don't know what the devil's going on. And she's, help me, help, help, stop him, stop. And, you know, and there's a shuffle going through the crowd and all of a sudden, boom, she comes by me and she's got a hold of Davey boy or uh, Harry by the arm yeah. and he's pulling away from me. She goes, stop him, stop him. And boom, he breaks off and takes off. Yeah. And everybody, nobody really knows what the hell's going on. Everybody's shuffling around. And, and finally, boom, you know, she goes back and, uh, of course, uh, Jake, who was in my wedding and it was our wedding, our 29th wedding anniversary song was set, yeah. uh, Sunday. At WrestleMania. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, thank you. You know, way way to spend your kind uh, of a romantic guy that I am. Right. Yeah, I got her at WrestleCon working with me. Yeah, but uh, Celia and my daughter runs over there to check on Jake and stuff. And uh, I guess the story now was Jake was signing autographs, and Harry came up and went to shake his hands, and Jake went to shake hands. He goes, "I ain't shaking your effing hand," and boom, dumps hot coffee all over his face and neck. Huh. scalding hot coffee and takes off and runs away. Wow. And, and they still Cody grabs him by the arm and pulls him off, you know, and, and uh, trying to stop him from running. And I think he might've pushed her down and then he takes off, you know, so he's gone. And now there's the security comes. And so, you know, I don't really know what happened beyond that at that time. So now that next day, Harry gives a, an interview on camera where he says, yeah, he talked bad about my dad. I went up, I challenged him to come outside for a fight. I mean, in Jake's best day, <laughs> you know, Jake right. wasn't a tough guy, you know, yeah. he ain't going to fight there. He had, yeah. of course, at 64, five years old, whatever Jake is, you know, and, and so, and plus he's sitting in this chair, he's sitting on a chair and this guy's standing over him. Harry's a stout kid. Yeah. And, uh, Boom. Uh, he said he wouldn't fight him. So he threw, he said on camera, I threw hot coffee on him. Oh boy. Uh, so I yeah. Cause I, I, from what, what I heard is that there had been kind of like a two confrontation that he went up to him, like you said, and challenged him. And then I think Jake kind of stood up and, and what was kind of amusing about it is that, you know, Danny Davis was there. He's got a book out <laughs> and, and apparently he was over there and he, 
Yeah, and he was dressed as a ref, and he's like, and, and he was saying he got in between them. So people are probably like thinking it's you know it's a work because he's work, right? uh, uh, your hands in there, you know, like break it up, boys. And then I don't, I don't. I draw second hand. So yeah. yeah. Well, like what do you tell, tell a wrestler? Is that kind of the way? <laughs> Telephone, telegraph, tell a wrestler. Yeah. yeah. So that we don't know. But I tell you that the next day, you know, I saw Jake uh, and I went up to him and. He, he was the most shaken up I've ever seen the guy. I mean, he was really shook up to the point where he, uh, Celia, my daughter, took him to the airport. He left WrestleCon. He didn't stay an hour at the most. He was uh, extreme. Now he's worried. He's like, now, you know, is uh, the kid going to ambush him or something down the road? You know, he's afraid to go to Canada, obviously. Uh, so, you know, you know, Jay's paranoid guy anyway, so. I don't know what I hope the deal they, was. I hope they get, get on the phone or something and chat and talk it out. I, because I, I tell they you, the, uh, they're I, talking. that's already, that's, I'm sure that Jake's already talking to a lawyer. If he hasn't already pressed charges, oh yeah, boy. are you kidding? I mean, yeah, it cost him it, just as a business wise, it cost him a day and a half's worth of work. Yeah. Right? And you can make a lot of money with those sightings. Yeah. I did. You talk about a guy with a lineup. Of people getting autographs, and this, you know, he had a lean because he's got hot coffee thrown all over him. Yeah. I mean, there's, gonna, there's, 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 the old, there's more to the story than that. But, yeah. Uh, not a, I mean, geez, I mean, the kid's a, a talented young man. I mean, uh, had, had the world on a string, and to pull something like that, that is just a huge black eye. He just self inflicted the shot in the foot to, you know, pull something like that and then run away. I mean, yeah, and I'm just, but, I'm just, uh, I was, when I heard that, I was just, in my because cut the interview on camera said, yeah, I did it. I threw hot coffee yeah. in the old man's face. Why? What the hell? Because, well, uh, you know, I had a great conversation with him and I really just thought uh, he was a sharp kid. I hope that, uh, you know, somehow this gets straightened out because that would be, that would be I, a damn shame. That's going to get straightened out uh, by shaking hands and. I think the kid really shot himself in his foot for yeah. the future WWE opportunities. You know, they don't uh, like that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah. So with their, uh, with, with that, uh, and of course, Jake is your, is your good pal, but, um, were there some others at, at uh, WrestleCon that you hadn't seen in a while that, or somebody you were really glad to see or surprised to see there? Oh yeah. Well, Gene Okerlund, of course, you know, cause he's, he's from legend house. And yeah. Have you not legend. seen him since the, that, that reunion? I've seen him, no, no, I've seen him since legend house. Yeah. yeah okay. I've yeah. seen him a few times at appearance, but, uh, I haven't, I said last time I saw him was uh, last year at WrestleMania, I think. And Larry, the ex Henning, uh, Kurt Henning's yeah. dad. Yeah. He's a great you know, guy. I, I said, I've wrestled three generations of Hennings, you know, I re- huh. wrestled Larry, the ex, I wrestled Kurt and I wrestled the kid. Oh, that beat all three generations up, Mooney. Still got it. Yep. Well, that's awesome. You mentioned uh, uh, one man gang, uh, George, and a lot of folks remember him as Akeem, the African Dream, as well. I have had not seen him, and you know he doesn't do a lot of appearances at all. And uh, it was it was really great to see him. And uh, people may you know probably don't realize, but he's a really great guy you know he's a really good guy yeah, yeah. and what a That's what me. a monster he was back oh. in you know in the day i mean he i used to say i i've had easier street fights and lost and working with one man gang he'd beat the hell out of you yeah and, uh, 
But uh, what a what a great wrestling talent, also, because look at one man gang. He was his monster crushing people. They gave him the Akeem gimmick. He embraced that. Was out there dancing, jiving around, yeah. and made the Akeem gimmick work. There's a true professional. Do you think that that was uh, a, a kind of a, a, a rib I, that they did to him? And uh, you know, like you said, he embraced it. He made it work. Yeah, well, you know, there's a, that was always the deal. The supposedly the story was, you know, he took some time off when they didn't want him to. Yeah. But he's been with his wife Mary Alice, who's you know is also got a, a disclosure. Gang's a good friend of mine. Came to our wedding. Him and his wife Mary Alice are friends yeah. of ours. Yeah. And uh, yeah, supposedly uh, they uh, he took the time off anyway. When he came back, they put the Akeem gimmick on him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that, shoot, I think he had a better run as a team than he would have. Uh, yeah. He sold it. It was, it was great. Yeah. It really, and, uh, slick, he was slick, over. Slick, slick, and there's a great example where there's a guy like Terry Taylor, who was, you know, a GQ right off the cover of GQ magazine yeah. kind of guy. They turned him into the red rooster. He hated it. He despised mm. it. He just did it, you know, kind of half hearted. He didn't embrace it. And of course, you know, the red rooster didn't work at all. Yeah. Well, like you said, you got to make it work. You a lot, a lot of these, uh, yeah, yeah. people have been handed pretty, chicken, pretty bad pool, gimmicks. You like make chicken, chicken, however that saying goes. Right? Yeah. No, but you look, <laughs> I, that's my, give me, give me my TV time. I'll get my stuff over. Yeah. You don't care. Whatever it is. Remember you were, what were you, you were a janitor? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And you made it work with the toothbrush and the toilet and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. getting back though to Akeem because uh, one man gang, I, and I just, uh, I was, you know, uh, on the same row with him. He was brought in with, uh, Scott Weiler promotions as well. Uh, and, um, I just kept, you know, looking back at him and, and he's still giant. He's still huge. But I, I, it got me thinking about some of the most athletic big men in the WWE in its history. And I, w I was always very uh, just amazed at how well these guys could move around in the ring, uh, despite their size. And, and, uh, one man gang was one of those people. Yeah. And strength too. I mean, you know, you talk about these body guys, they look good. I mean, now, I mean, everybody's cookie cutter. Everybody's got great abs, great biceps, lats, traps, I mean, you push a lot of iron around. You want to talk about just raw strength and power, earthquake, typhoon, one-man gang, Vader, just those big, monstrous guys were just extremely powerful. And, of course, you know, Andre the Giant on a, on a whole different level. Yeah, exactly. But but I you mean, talk about that, Go ahead. I was just saying, just for the big, powerful, and athletic, you know, I mean, uh, they, and you had to be, because as we talked before, that's the cream of the crop. If, if you don't have something special, you're not going to last up there long. Do you remember any of uh, those uh, matches that involved uh, OMG uh, when you were just amazed at what he was able to do? Well, I think what I, I remember most about Big Ganger, of course, he, he almost killed me back in Mid-South. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, seriously, I mean, uh, the, probably the worst uh, injury I ever had in wrestling was at the Sam Houston Coliseum. A lot of uh, fans, especially mid fans, the South fans, remember we were on the floor and we were fighting. He went to run my head in the post, and back then, where the ring, uh, the ropes connected to the post, 
the bolt stuck stuck out on the other side of the post. So when he went to run my head in the post, my head went into that bolt oh my and God. almost killed me. That was a yeah. yeah, it was a unbelievable injury. You know, gang couldn't see, I couldn't see. Neither one of us saw the that joke when he pulled me off the post. It was kind of like a popping sound. Oh, <laughs> like a. But didn't it? And and didn't it? Like you, your scalp was well, like almost peeled. Oh back. yeah, I had to like, crack my skull, or and then yeah, the uh, bad breath. Sally taped me up in the back, and the old <laughs> the nurse that had her, the EMT. Oh god, and the, she taped me up with an ace bandage, and I was so mad, I was screaming cuss words, and the ace bandage went up in my head. And Tibiasi and everybody else in the dress room were cracking up. And Tibiasi goes, I'm sorry, but you look like a conehead sitting there screaming. <laughs> and then you went back out there. Then I went back out there yeah, working oh with Gordy. Yeah, and he didn't know I was hurt. And of course, Gordy, one of my best friends, so I'm on the floor and he's in the ring. He reaches over the ropes to pull me in the ring. It was like peeling a banana. He got oh, me by the hair yeah. and just pulled my scalp off. And you probably had a concussion and didn't even realize. Probably in shock. Yeah, I wouldn't end up in the hospital. Yeah, it was my my ears swelled up, my eyes swelled closed. It was a it was a bad bad injury. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and the other other person sitting next to me was Fred Ottman, and uh, <laughs> another guy. You know, he's another gentle giant. I mean, these guys. You, I remember used to watch them in the ring, and and specifically like with with uh, one man gang. And I remember one time he gave he he did a you know a forearm to Shawn Michaels that I don't know how he got up. I mean, he 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 did like a complete you know three sixty basically landed on the back of his head <laughs> like and but you know the nicest guys in the world. And Fred is one of those guys too. You know, that's the deal. Some with Fred said he took a good bump, and he said he didn't take the bump. He didn't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, really, what are you going to do? You know, I'm just recoiling from. And of course, Sean is you know one of the best, makes yeah. it look great out there anyway. But yeah, another big power, and 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 all those guys, how cool! All those big, tough, mean guys are are sweethearts. They don't want no trouble because as we talked before, if you, if you go against another guy that knows what's going on. Neither one of you are going to walk away clean. Yeah. You know, they get talking, I beat these three guys up at the bar. I said, well, you know, were they holding their kids ice cream or what? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, talk about picking your targets. Uh, yeah. And these guys though, that, uh, and I'm talking, I mean, you're, you're a big man, Jim. I mean, uh, you were at, at your peak, what, 300 something pounds and, uh, you know, Actually, could lift a, lift a house basically. But these guys were, uh, you know, giants in a sense. I mean, they oh, weighed. I just posted a picture. Funny you should say that. I don't, I don't got a picture with those guys. Because like I said, Gang King came to my wedding in yeah. Tugboat, babysit my oldest daughter when we, my first time babysitting. So I know yeah. both those guys. We got a picture and I posted size is all relative because at, at 64, I'm 6'3", about 263. Nice. <laughs> and I'm dwarfed by these yeah. two monsters. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I think you know, and tugboat. He's still in. He's in pretty damn good shape still, Fred. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, gang. I know he's uh, he's had some uh, health issues, but you know, he still moves around pretty good, and he's getting out and doing these things. But uh, I really, you know, like Yokozuna and and you know these guys that were just the exceptionally large human beings. And I was always amazed with what how athletic they were in the ring, and I, yeah. I guess there were a few exceptions. 
because not many people could move around like that, but that's Bam, why Bam, they were in the WWE. Another example. You know, Bam Bam, Umaga. Yeah. You know, and of course, if there's a big, strong giant in the business, Duggan, get your two by four. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> get out there, Duggan. Go ahead. I have to wrestle every giant there is. You know? Yes. And your, your time with Andre is legendary. Oh yeah. But just the, and you know, as a baby face, it was always better to work with a bigger heel. You know, it's hard to get sympathy if you're working with a small heel and he's beating you up there like, well, hit him back hacksaw. Yeah. But when you got, you know, er- earthquake or one man gang or Andre choking you, they're like, oh, yeah. he's killing them. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all you got to do is uh, stand up to him, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See how well Hope that goes. Choke to death on your bones. I said, yeah, I might kill Andre. He might choke to death on my bones. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That, uh, uh, and another thing that, uh, you know, uh, I talked to a lot of these guys over the weekend and, you know, we always get into the conversation. They talk about the new product and, and they kind of compare it to the old. And, uh, you know, we know we've never really we've never really gotten into that uh, you know, trying to discount what's going on now or what's. But the one thing that we did talk about and, and that, that is very different today is that is that ring psychology and uh, that. A lot of these new guys are like so athletic. Many of them, you you look at them and you know that if they were uh, part of the uh, wrestling world back in the '80s and '90s, they probably would have done very well. Some of them could have been very, you know, great characters. But what is missing in in many ways is that that old school psychology, the simplicity. Uh, although it's not real simple, but just having that ability to absolutely control a crowd. And uh, you know, Jim, was that. Uh, something just through experience? Was it uh, some of the, uh, you know, the, the uh, old boys bringing you along? How did you, did you master that? What was it? Was it a natural thing? How did it happen? No, it, what, uh, <laughs> for me, it was definitely not natural. It probably took me five years just to figure out what was going on in the ring, you know, coming out of a non-wrestling background, not understanding pro wrestling at all. Big yeah. Jim Duggan struggled, I'll tell you, that's, that's for sure. But, you know, that's the way the business was. I mean, before my generation, guys could work an arm bar for the whole match. And then we got where you could work a little more. And, you know, now it, it just it seems like the, the, the fans are jaded. They've seen a DDT for a finish. Now they've seen five DDTs for a high spot. I mean... And they just keep pushing the envelope. And I, I think the fans kind of like that. A lot of the folks at WrestleCon, I was visiting with them, and they're like, oh, I can't wait to see uh, AJ Styles flying around. I mean, they, they, they tend to yeah. trend for the business is the flyers. And that was the deal. They're like, Hacksaw, what, what was your favorite move? I kick and punch. What are you talking yeah, about? You know? right. <laughs> I'm a brawler. I'm not a flyer. But really, but but you also though you did have, and, and you say that you're a brawler, but uh, you also knew how to command a crowd in in many ways, how yeah. to bring well, you them up, tell how that to bring story. them down. Yeah. And and that, and, and, that, I, and, and I wonder today why they aren't as uh, as able to do it. There's a, a few that can, but not. And I don't know if it's because with a massive crowd you can't really read what you're doing. I, I you know, is it from you know many of the guys talk about that. You know, those car rides with these uh, old school guys was that was your classroom. And, uh, you know, and when you're in the ring, if you didn't uh, do it right, it wasn't like the guy pulled you aside. He showed he gave you a receipt. 
is you know is that all part of it? I mean, that that was the education. Yeah, that was definitely the the education. I mean, you get stretched out there. Andrew Lomaska kind of worked me over a little bit in the old days, and I wasn't sure if he was just being, you know, if he was just missing, if he was being stiff with me, or if he was stretching my butt. Yeah. And looking back at it, he was stretching it pretty yeah. good. I didn't realize it as a young guy. And, uh, you know, that's how you did kind of learn the business. But, um, you know, the business has changed. Now with the Performance Center, uh, you know, they, they they teach what they want. And that's the evolution of the business. But I tell you, at the Indie circuits out there and, and some of these smaller companies out there trying to get a break, you know, there's room for a number two. I mean, a good number two. For, for every Hertz, there's an Avis. And yeah. uh, there's room for uh, a number two. Do you, you think know, it really is? It, it's a big difference. Somebody. Yeah, but do you think there's a there is a big difference when you know you're performing and say in front of say uh, 200 people, 300 people, where you you get to hear exactly what they're saying. You get to you know uh, feel the, the what's going on with that yeah, crowd in front of. Yeah, yeah, when you're when you start getting over you know you know ten thousand people, twenty thousand people, <laughs> and then these huge arenas. You know, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand people. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, it, you're not going to work them like a crowd if when you're in a building for a thousand and there's twelve hundred jammed in there. You know, that's it. That's a different arena, a different feeling, and a different. But there's still the, the storytelling, and that's why I, you know, I can I tell the young guys. You know, at, at my age, I have no physical attributes left. You know, but I can still go to the ring and entertain a crowd. It's more than just taking bumps. It's having a ring presence. It's telling a story. It's it's more to it than just bump, bump, bump. Now, uh, Jim, you are all over the place. I, you know, uh, I'm not kidding. I, I <laughs> seems like every single week you've got uh, you're performing at. Uh, an independent show, or you're at a WrestleCon, or you're at a Comic-Con. Uh, it, it's just been an incredible year, and this is just continues, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting ready for the uh, big uh, Ontario 2x4 tour coming up. And what? tell me so, about that. What is that all about? Yeah, well, it's a, uh, it's a stand-up show, you know, and, of yeah. course, it's a, a family-friendly show, which is a lot different than most of the guys. Mm-hmm. But we're starting off April 14th in Fergus, uh, Ontario, which is uh, right out there, not too far out of side of Toronto. But at the Goofy Noofy, April 14th in Fergus, April 15th at in Toronto, right at Absolute Comedy. On the 16th, I'm going to be in Kingston, Ontario at Don Cherry's. On the 17th, I'm in Gam and Oakwe. I think I pronounced it right, uh, at the fire hall. The 18th is Belleville at Legends Pub. The 19th is in uh, St. Catharines, Ontario. Hmm. That's the uh, two-by-four tour. And then on the 20th, I'm down in Lafayette, Louisiana, I'm with uh, Louisiana. Jake Roberts. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. That's going to be uh, a, quite a travel day after the show at St. Catharines. I'm flying down to... Uh, Lafayette on the 20th, and then on the 21st, I'm in Houston, uh, Texas with uh, Jake. Of course, we're doing the stand-up together. Yeah. And then uh, April 27th, 8th, and 9th, I'm up in Philadelphia at the Comic-Con. 
Um, then in the May, May 4th, I'm in Baltimore with the uh, arena football team up there, which always is a fun time. They, they said they, uh, they had a party and a football game breaks out. <laughs> <laughs> and you've done and then there's this show I'm baseball? really excited about. Uh, May 13th, I'm out at Flappers out in Burbank, California. So that's, that's a big one. And then, uh, from there, uh, Deborah and I are off to Fiji and New Zealand. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so yeah. that's going to be, uh, yeah, Deborah told me that that's going to be an actual vacation for you, uh, although you may, you're in route to something to another show, but you guys are actually going to take a real break, she told me, <laughs> right, in Fiji. Yep, so. Right, yep, yep. Usually we do a stand-up or an autograph session or something. Well, we might end up doing an autograph session in Fiji. You never, you never know. There's fans all Deborah. over the place. How many days are you going to spend in Fiji? Uh, a week. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, uh, hey, you know, and I know recently you went, this is, I was fascinated by this because, uh, you know, I know you have roots, uh, in that part of the world, the UK. And, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever really thought about, but what do you think the percentage of, uh, you know, mail or, or contact you get through emails or, uh, you know, Twitter are from the UK. Cause I have, I have my theory, but what do you think about the percentage of people? Quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. A large percentage. Yeah. And from uh, overseas in general, I think Facebook is more uh, America. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I've just started Instagram, so I'm working on that, but I think Twitter is uh, more international. That's for sure. Uh, now, what was that UK trip all about? Because I, I saw the pictures. You had a, you, we put up a. Oh, we had a great time. Yeah, Deborah and I. Mm -hmm. We went over in January. Uh, we went over to, and we ended up staying in, in a town called Swindon, England, outside about two, two and three hours outside of London. Mm -hmm. And we did uh, three wrestling shows and two stand-up shows. And we also took some time off, and uh, we went to Stonehenge, and which was really cool, you know, and. Uh, uh, went to uh, a couple of cathedrals. We had a, had a nice time, and, and the deal is the stone on the way to Stonehenge. They have these just these huge boulders out in the middle of you know the fields, and they just uh, kind of put them all at Stonehenge where they all came together. But yeah. they're sprinkled throughout the way to there. So hmm. we're at this one pub, and there's out in the middle of the field. So because at Stonehenge you can't get close to them. So Deborah and I go clogging through the, the sheep field with all the sheep poop and everything to get a picture standing next to the stone, you know, and people, yeah. ah, you must be Americans. Because <laughs> <laughs> people from here don't go trotting through the sheep <laughs> to get a picture of a stone. Yeah, but yeah. It, it was pretty impressive. It really was. It was, And, of course, something to see when you're over there. And Again, you know, folks are so friendly. You know, people all over the world, it, it seems like, are, are friendly. I've very seldom I've run to a, a, a bad. A, in Northern Ireland, we'd be on the hop-on, hop-off bus. You'd drive by, everybody would wave at you. Yeah. <laughs> so any but, ancestral connections there that, uh, you know, Dogen, crying out loud. You well, must yeah, have. that's, uh, yeah, well, I, Actually, we were the uh, from uh, uh, County Cork, Ireland, a town called Fermoy. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I might have told you that story before. When my dad, God bless him, was alive, we brought him over to Ireland. And we're, right. I was driving on the wrong side of the road. And Deborah was, you know, we, we pull in the Fermoy and it's Duggan's Grocery Store. <laughs> so, we, you know, we stop, we jump out of the car, we run in the grocery store. My dad's all in shamrocks. Deborah's dressed in green. I'm taking pictures in the grocery store. 
same line as in England. Uh, you guys must be from America. <laughs> <laughs> you hear that a lot. Yeah. Well, if you're going to be, you know, you know, back in the day when you're young guys, you know, we travel all over the world. You wouldn't take a picture. You wouldn't go see nothing. You'd go to the bar, the hotel, yeah. the mm -hmm. arena, and the airport, you know. Uh, I mean, that's why it was nice to come back with WWE and get to travel around to South America, you know, Santiago, Chile, Lima, Peru. I mean, travel around the world and be able to stop and, you know, enjoy it a little bit. And it must be awesome now because I know in the early days, in, uh, you know, the girls were growing up and uh, Deborah basically, you know, ran uh, Duggan Central. Uh, it must be great now that, that uh, because you do travel an awful lot, but to have her with you must make it uh, a lot better. Yeah, it, it's really nice. And, you know, yeah. the, the folks that know Deborah, she's very, oh. she's like the road manager. I mean, she handles yeah. all the travel, all the rental cars, all the hotels, uh, you know, checks in for me at the airports. Uh, it really makes it a lot easier for me on the road. And it's nice, you know, because as you know, Sean, on the road, it's, you get that, you know, you walk, nothing lonely than walking down a big, long hallway in a hotel, dragging your bag after, you know, two weeks on the road, yeah. it gets old. And so it's nice to have someone with me to experience this stuff. And like I said, in New Orleans, you know, we had, a, we had a great time. Yeah. And that was great that you had uh, one of your daughters there with you. Yes, uh, and, and, and getting yeah, back, Rebecca was doing, yeah, yeah, Rebecca was doing the sorority thing. Uh, so, uh, it must be fun for her. She's looking, she's looking for more followers at Becca Duggan 16. So at, <laughs> she's at, in college. She wants more followers on whatever. Okay. Uh, she's going to have a tough time catching up to you though, but, uh, you know, yeah. Well, that's what I thought when I first, you know, when Pipe, God bless him, was alive, you know, when I first got 100,000 followers, I called him up like, hey, Pipe, I said, I got 100,000 followers. He yeah. goes, Doug, and I got half a million. Yeah. Like, I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to you tomorrow, Pipe. <laughs> Call me when you catch up. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> but, is it, but isn't it fun, though, to, because uh, your, your, your daughters were so young when, uh, you know, the, the prime, and they, they weren't even born yet, but... Uh, to see to, for them, uh, for her to experience that, your daughters to experience when, when these people are coming up to you. And I had my son with me too, Kyle. And to have, you know, these people come up and say, you were the voice of my childhood. And he's looking at me like, what is wrong with these people? You know, and, but, but it is cool that, that, for, that for them to really uh, see the, the impact that, that uh, of this great giant machine of the WWE and that you were part of that, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun to, 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 have your kids and be able to see that right i think that and and they understand if anything is how grateful they should be because those folks are the ones that gave them the, their lifestyle their life these folks and i mean that's why at these autograph sessions i try to spend a couple extra minutes with the guy you know that's why sometimes the line's so long is I, I dock with folks too long but uh you know, if somebody's paying 20 bucks to get an autograph, at least you can say, hey, how's your day going? You know, got a question for me? You know? Yeah, no, exactly. And you, and you do. You spend that time with them. Hey, uh, Jim, a lot of people don't know. And, of course, one of the big nights there uh, is the Hall of Fame ceremony. And then it was this it was the, this past Friday night. And uh, they inducted uh, Hillbilly Jim and uh, Goldberg was among them. Also, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, can you tell us? the process of that from when you got that call. And I don't know if it was, you probably had in the back of your mind that maybe it might come someday. Um, but 
take, walk us through that, that uh, initially hearing about it, and then what happens from that point? Well, you know, it, it, it's great to finally get that call because as soon as you're out of the wrestling, I'm sure it happens to the young guys. People are like, when are they going to put you in the Hall of Fame? When are they going to put you in the Hall of Fame? When they put? It's something you have no control over, of course. And when you do get the call, it, it's a great call. Actually, uh, it's like Johnny Ace, uh, uh, John Laronitis gave me the call and gave me the heads up. And, uh, you know, of course, then they can send you some uh, literature and stuff. And then at WrestleMania, the, before the... Uh, uh, Hall of Fame will you'll have a meeting with some writers and they'll go over your your speech with you and ask you know if you want to give you some ideas and stuff but I think the majority of guys kind of end up coming up with their own verbiage pretty much for the, the Hall of Fame and then uh, then boom that's it you, you get there early and uh, you know eventually come back backstage and uh, meet you a photo opportunity and visit with you for a second hand you the ring and Boom! Off you go, and then uh, get the lineup for the uh, the Hall of Fame, and walk out there, and your heart's pounding out of your chest. And you give a big hoe, and off you go. <laughs> yeah, but backing up a little bit though, uh, uh, Jake inducted you, right? Oh, Teddy. Oh, Teddy did. That's right, Ted DiBiase. Um, and uh, when when uh, they then there's a ring involved, but. I don't. When did it really hit you? Uh, was it before you stepped out from behind that curtain? No. When I got to Atlanta, actually, in the hotel in Atlanta with my wife, you know, uh, uh, yeah, because uh, like, like at that point, my two best friends, Terry Gordy and and Doctor Steve Williams, were gone. I was still drinking a little bit back then. Mm-hmm. I got very melancholy about uh, going into Hall of Fame and guys that uh, probably would be there if they hadn't passed away, you know, and just a whole enormity of the deal. I mean, to be in any profession, no matter what profession you're in, to be recognized by your peers, it's always something important. Yeah. And of course, a lot of folks realize how political the WWE and the Hall of Fame is, but uh, to still get that ring, it's, it's getting the ring. Yeah, and it was at that time. I don't think uh, Jake was doing real well, right? Is because uh, he probably would have been that guy, right? Uh, I don't know because Ted and I professionally now. Ted and yeah. I, we didn't, you know. Ted, he was a GQ guy, like I joke. Ted be at the nice fancy club, and me and Steve Williams be down at some place painted all black with a six foot ceiling, you know, <laughs> and cigarette smoke five feet yeah. up. You know? Right. We we go to different kind of clubs, but uh, professionally, Ted and I I wrestled Ted uh, thousands of times all over the world and and learned a lot because he was like we talked before a second generation wrestler, and uh, being in the ring with DiBiase that much uh, really uh, learned a lot from him. So if if you had your uh, Mount Rushmore of friends uh, that had the most influence, who uh, you know. We're closest to you. Who who are they? Well, it, obviously the guy that had the, the the biggest influence on my life was was my pop. I mean, yeah. my my dad, my best man, my wedding. He was, uh, yeah. and still to this day, I, my daughters get on me when I so I don't. My pop would be happy with that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, the chief would be happy with that. But uh, you know, professionally, you know, Brody, I learned a lot from Brody, even though we weren't very close. Uh, 
Teddy, of course, I learned a lot from him, and we, were, and we to this day we we're friends, but we were never like real close friends. Uh, yeah. My my three closest friends, uh, Terry Gordy of the Fabulous Freebirds, we were at Georgia Championship Wrestling, and they were the uh, Freebirds, and I was a young guy as uh, Big Jim Duggan, and it was wide open. Me and Gordy lived together. Uh-huh. And then uh, Dr. Des Steve Williams in Mid-South, we lived together in Pine uh, Ball, Louisiana. It's always a joke. It's hard to ask a girl to come to visit. Because you live in Ball. <laughs> <laughs> you want to come to Ball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, and me and Doc lived together. And then, of course, uh, Piper. So uh, my three best friends of my life are all three gone. Yeah. That is a shame. And, you know, folks, if you have, if you listen to, uh, you know, episodes along the way when, when Jim and I first started the podcast, it, it really is not just a, a history of, of, of Jim's career. We, we pretty much uh, went through pretty much every aspect of it, but it really, <laughs> but <shows>. yeah, <laughs> actually 20 Jim, but, uh, but uh, you know, uh, it, it is also a real, uh, you know, accounting of, of that period of time, uh, Far, far before the WWF and what it became, we certainly talked about what it did become and, and the events that took place during that time. But um, you talk about some of these guys, and, and so many of them are gone now. But it really was, uh, you know, an incredible time for this business. And you probably look back at all of the the miles and the weeks of. Uh, you know, no pay and, and being hungry and, uh, you know, uh, trying to stay in shape and trying to get to the next level. Uh, it must've made that, that journey when you, when you were behind that curtain with the ring in your hand, uh, to be inducted into the WWE hall of fame, I, I think, and I hope you realize that it was, it meant far more than just what you did for the WWE. That's a, a nice way to look at it, Sean. Thank you for saying it like that. Uh, yeah, I agree with you because it's uh, it's uh, a long was a long, long road. I mean, before you get to the WWE and or you know, and you know, six guys in a car and six guys in a hotel room and you know, it was just a you know, just learning the business, traveling. But the guys were closer a little bit back then. But also, it's been a good business to me. Also, yeah, Sean, I, as we talked about the. You know, Jake and Scott Hall and these guys, uh, uh, Davey Boy, Dynamite, that had these hard luck gimmicks. Mm-hmm. For me, it's been a great, you know, I've been here about the third, almost 40 years now. And with Deborah over, what, married 29, together 33. Yeah. And I never had to go to rehab for booze or drugs. I did a lot of both, but never got hooked on it. And that wasn't my personality. No felony arrest. You brought up the misdemeanor more than once, though, Mooney. <laughs> yes, we did a whole episode, and you should check it out, folks. At Garden State Parkway. I mean, even yeah. today at, at WrestleCon, <laughs> a guy uh, from Japan, God bless him, could speak very little English, but he got out enough of that cartoon with his sheet. I was saying, I was just the passenger. <laughs> like, oh, God. Thank you, buddy. Thank Nice to be remembered. <laughs> yeah, one sentence he puts together for you. That's what he wanted to talk about. Yeah, right. Yeah, but but on that subject, and th- and that's why I I really 
Oh, love thanks, Booty. No, 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 not that. That, not that. We're done, hey, folks. If you want to <laughs> know, know that, know. yeah. But it, really, it's a it, that was a great episode. And if you, uh, it's still it's still out there. You can get it on uh, Prime uh, Prime Time with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Sean Mooney. It's under uh, Prime Time with Sean Mooney. But you can catch that episode on uh, iTunes or whatever your platform is. But it, yeah, Jim goes through the whole everything. You get all the details of uh, and how it impacted his life and his career. Uh, but but what I am fascinated with, and and uh, and I've you know doing this podcast, Jim, it's been a, a tremendous education for me because there's a lot of things that I I didn't know what that what you guys endured and what you went through, and I learn more and more every time I have a conversation with somebody. But I I can't help but think that you know I I just kind of hear these you know when you have these new guys come up and saying yeah it's been really tough you know I. Uh, was a bodybuilder and then this guy came up to me and said hey you probably might be a good wrestler and then i went to this uh enhancement this enhancement camp this uh you know and i worked really hard there you know and had to work there for you know six months or something and i i don't i'm not got paid no but the example i'm using is that compare it to uh you know uh, you're going to get in here. You're going to set the ring up. You're going to bat. You're going to uh, load it back up when we're done. And in between that, we might let you go in and referee. Pay close attention, and you might get a shot to go in there and let somebody beat the living hell out of you, so you can learn this business. You know. But you know, Sean, there's a lot of kids out there on the indie scene. They're setting up rings, tearing down rings, busting their butt out there just for the opportunity to get a chance to maybe get a tryout. At the, yeah. at the performance center. I mean, yeah, they also, they go out and they recruit the Ronda Rousey or whatever, people like that. Yeah. But there's also a lot of guys out there and girls that are out there busting their chance. Uh, uh, Tully Blanchard's daughter, uh, 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 Teresa, that's not her name, Blanchard, though. She's yeah. been out there working hard trying to get a break. I mean, there's so many good talents out there. And that's what I tell folks. It's easier to play in the NFL and get in the WWE. There are 1,500 NFL football players. There's 100 WWE active roster people. Yeah. It's television. It's more competitive than sports. But there's everybody out there chasing their dream because who would have ever thought Daniel Bryant would have made it? You know? Yeah, you look no at that kidding. guy, you're That's like, man, classic example. Tell he's going to make it. Yeah. You know? But he had the work ethic, the desire, the heart, and he became a big star. Yeah. And when, and I'm sure, you know, you go through the list of these guys that have become very successful. Um, probably those guys that, that came through that, that indie yeah, circuit. Kevin Owens, and, he was yeah. up there doing the, the indie shows up in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I think he worked with uh, Jacques Rougeau in that group and uh, all over oh, the place. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's nice to know that that, that still exists and it is, uh, uh, you know, great that, that, and it seems like Jim, that, some of these indies are really starting to uh, make some noise. Uh, Ring of Honor, and then uh, you know you've got the MLW uh, just got a deal with uh, the BN Sports Network that they're going to start having uh, their uh, uh, matches and and their shows broadcast all over well, the world. A, there's a, there's a, yeah, huge desire for yeah. you know wrestling. That's why the indie shows are picking up. You know, I have we have have. Cut down on the indies or do more comic cons now, but I get a lot of requests to do indie shows. And the last few I did, they were pretty packed. And, uh, you know, because it's a fun night out and people like wrestling. And the WWE obviously is limited to the house shows that they do. And a lot of people aren't happy with their products. So, like I said, there's, there's room for a strong number two, like WCW was 
back in the day. Uh, Why do you think Mercedes? That'd be better for everybody. You know, the more places to work, the more guys are making money, the more opportunity, the more the better. And why do you, why do you think there is? Because it seemed for a, a, a long time it was just a, a, a major dip in in uh, you know you had a lot of indies, but no no these independent operations that but nobody really uh, you know uh, rising up like we're seeing these these groups doing now in, in New Japan and uh, like I said I'm, I'm Ring of Honor and what are they just getting better at uh, you know at these at what they're uh, the content, the product that they're putting out there. What do you think it is? Well, I think you know, you know, wrestling is goes in cycles, and the cycles on its upswing. And you know, people now have a little more money, more little distress, discretional income than they had in the past. Because you know, wrestling fans are working class folks. You're not going to have a lot of you know, real wealthy folks uh, having their limos drive them up. You know, most of those folks that bring their kids, they they work hard for their money. At, uh, yeah. You know, uh, now they they may have a little bit extra more to come to come to the shows. Yeah. And I think about wrestling. You know, wrestling. You come to the show, you cheer the good guy, you boo the bad guy, or you go sit in a movie for three hours. It's it's a fun night out. Yeah, it is. But I, you know, I noticed that, uh, and I don't get to many of these really big shows that, but there were people wearing T-shirts. It wasn't just uh, all WWE. Uh, you know, you saw the, the Bullet Club, and you saw, you know, uh, Bullet R- Club is R- strong H. right now. Man. Yeah, but I'm saying these other, you're seeing these other, uh, you know, organizations, yeah. other groups. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see some big money guy. You know, I mean, you know, Vince, of course, is now opening up the XFL again, so he's kind of distracted a little bit, and looks like Triple H and Stephanie are running the company. So you know, you could see some heavy hitter like. The, Ted Turner did in the past, somebody on that stature to, to make a move and try to open up uh, a number two. Yeah. Well, people like uh, court Bauer and these other people running uh, these, these operations and, and it can only be good for the business, right? I mean, look what oh, happened oh, sure. when sure. uh, initially, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, we've talked about this too before uh, Jim, that people talk about the Monday night wars, but before that uh, there was another war when uh, Crockett and uh, you know, Watts and all of them were, were trying to, uh, get their product across the country. They once they realized what Vince McMahon was doing, they wanted to try and do the same thing, and uh, the, they had a, the super stations, and that was a huge war. And and look how much you know. Then that catapulted professional wrestling to another level. And then you had the Monday Night Wars, which w- was you know when you had this competition. So maybe uh, this may take it to yet another. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to be more you know, well, you bigger, know I, but it's I certainly good for the business. You're not going to compete with Vince with his product. I think you might go back to the character-driven, you know, good guy, bad guy, and they stay that way for a while. You know, not the, you know, the changes back and forth. You know, more traditional type wrestling. But that's why I'm in Lugoff and not Stanford. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, it is nice here. Yeah. My yeah, dog and cats and ducks and chickens and the pot belly pig. <laughs> exactly. I, you know, we were at the uh, uh, Bruce and Conrad, the, you know, there's something to wrestle with their live show. And, and, and uh, Pat Patterson was there and he sang my way. I said, you know, Jim, Jim Duggan uh, could have written that song, too, because that's exactly what you did. Uh, along this uh, this yeah, road, Paul loves crap. that my way. We had Legend House, man. He, uh, he told Piper, right? he goes, Piper, learn how to play my way on the piano. 
<laughs> you know, just learn how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> and Piper got a downer at the, at the end of the Legend House. Pat sang, he, he likes that song. And Pat's a pretty good singer, actually. Oh, no, he's very good. Uh, he belted it out. Yeah. It's Quando, Quando, Quando. <laughs> what you call and me? When will you be mine? You know, so he's got it down. <laughs> Uh, a funny story though about that with that is that Pat, you know, made a CD. He's got all this collection of songs on it, and one of them is "Quando Quando Quando." And uh, we used, I used to listen to that thing all the time because I just think it's you know it's Pat, but it's kind of amusing because he does a, a, a Louis Armstrong imitation. He sings uh, you know uh, "What a Wonderful Life" on it. What a wonderful world, I mean. And so anyway, in this song "Quando Quando Quando," that. About a minute and 28 seconds in, and you know, he's a heavy smoker. He was, I think he's quit, but he said, Quando, uh, quando, quando, quando. <laughs> you hear it on the recording, Jim. So it's like <laughs> on his CD. But as usual, we get off the tracks here. Uh, you've, you've had an unbelievable career, Jim, and it, and it just keeps going. Uh, you're all over the place. And uh, how do folks keep up with you again? Uh, uh, official hacksaw. Official Hacksaw on uh, my Twitter, Official Hacksaw Jim Duggan on Facebook, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I think, on Instagram, <laughs> and at Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, at, uh, I don't know what the face is, the, Twitter, at, at, at the, Instagram, the new website. You yeah. Are you on Facebook? At too? Gmail. At Gmail. Got Facebook, right, Instagram. And, uh, and what's the Gmail address? Because... Uh, that's the one they want to try and get. Bookhacksawduggan at gmail.com. <laughs> That's the one you want to get. Bookhacksawduggan at gmail.com. We like that one the best. And they yeah. ask about and of course, we time. do all kinds of appearances. Yeah. But uh, they ask, you, uh, ask about you all the time. They miss you on the podcast, Jim. I hope you'll keep coming back now and then and check in with us and tell us what you're up to. Well, but I, sure I really have to thank you. Now, I have to thank you because... Uh, there's no way this this would have happened without you. If you would, if I after me calling you uh, several times and uh, <laughs> you finally talking to me and me uh, convincing you, let's not call it begging, okay? Uh, the, but you did this, and and really, it's been a tremendous adventure, and I, I hope you'll keep coming back. Well, good. Well, yeah, I tell you, it was good. Nice to see you, and pleasure to meet your boy. It always always fun to talk to you. Just it was just hard to do it every week after week, but. It's good to call in every once in a while and, and have an opportunity to talk to you and get a chance to plug what's coming up for me, which is that uh, Ontario tour from the 14th to the 19th all around uh, Toronto. Awesome. All right, Jim. Well, you know what we got to do, do Sean? It up, it's been right? a while, so you may not be in practice, but if you're going to hoe, hoe like you mean it, brother. Let's go, baby. Hoe! Hey! Hey!